Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karen. Today we're going to talk to Sean Hayes about key performance indicators. One of the things that Sean has, I think is really important for you, the listener, is a lot of experiences, a lot of different settings between working in the NFL, the WWE, and then as a startup strength conditioning coach with the XFL. He's got a lot of great insight on KPIs and how to leverage them in your setting to not only create buy-in from your athletes, but your coaches and your your superiors or the positions that make decisions on money. A lot of, lot of great takeaways. I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. Also, check out phpodcast.com to get access to our curriculum to see this entire module. Just updated the entire website, so a ton of really cool assets to dive into between a course-like feature, forums, journal aspects in terms of each module, just a lot of really cool features that we're really excited for for you, the user. Also, PH Podcast has an order form for strength deficit, leveraging eccentric versus concentric deficit best go-to resource to understand how to peak for an eccentric versus concentric strength, relatively speaking to positional or sport demands. And then finally, Realize.me. This is your command center for all health and wellness data. I use it to track all of my data. Anything that I'm doing with one of my clients, trying to figure out what is the go-to actual metrics that make a difference, relatively speaking, to that person's goals. Realize.me. Get on over there. Get access to their blog so you can see all the cool stuff that the team's got building out over there, as well as pre-order for their launch of their website and their platform for all users coming forward. Without further ado, let's talk to Sean Hayes. All right, everybody, we got Sean Hayes. Sean's got a, a, a big, big uh, new life journey here, but we wanted to kind of get into almost a reflective moment off of his time with the WWE, working with NXT, um, as well as some of the other experiences he's had between the Texans, Penn State, and his time as an athlete at Harvard. Uh, so, Sean, I want to introduce you and uh, take a chance to uh, go through what you got going on and then uh, go through yeah. uh, KPIs, man. All right, let's do it. Um, yeah, so I, you know, you talk about the reflective time with WWE. I, I spent six and a half years there down in Orlando, Florida, developing the next generation of superstars for the WWE. It was, it was, uh, man, it's crazy to think about how fast it went. It seems like yesterday I, I was kind of presented with the opportunity to leave the Houston Texans to take on that journey. And then it's like, man, I'm, it's already over. So, that's wild. In 2016, um, I left Bill O'Brien, Craig Fitzgerald, and the Houston Texans to, to, to join up with WWE and uh, Paul Levesque, Triple H, and Matt Bloom, who's the head coach down there at uh, WWE Performance Center. And, man, just kind of embarked on this, this, this world that is professional wrestling and sports entertainment. And I'm just so fortunate to, to experience that and – you know, grew up as a huge, huge fan, um, watched it ever since I was little and continue to watch it. And, and it's like, you don't really think about it when you're there. Cause it's like a job, but then, you know, when, uh, when you, now that I'm away from it, now that I'm kind of embarking on another journey, it's it, looking back, it's like, wow, it was pretty cool to, to be a part of the WWE being such a big fan and helping out as, as just for, for six and a half years, a long time, you know, it, it wasn't, um, so it was, it, it was, it was very, uh, it was, it was a very, very good experience because I felt it was like so, such a unique environment in the sense that you had all these types of athletes in one, one weight room. And I felt like 
I was probably uh, this is how I felt. I you know I don't know if it's true or not, but I felt like man, I'm I'm the luckiest strength coach. I'm probably the only strength coach that has this type of weight room, and that's how I felt, and that's why I knew it was such a special place because you had people from all different backgrounds. You had people from you know former athletes from the NFL, from MMA, NBA, WNBA. Um, you know you had people from different countries. You had male, female. You had you know. Uh, big, small, everything in between, American Ninja Warriors to bodybuilders to, you know, uh, football players, the boxers, the uh, people that from India, China, 45% of our roster was at one point from different uh, outside of the U.S. So um, I felt like it was like a very unique set, unique environment in that sense. And uh, after having gone through that, I felt like I can kind of attack anything and that's kind of like where I, how I felt to taking on this new journey is I felt I was ready to, to embark on it because of the, the experiences I had with WWE. <clears throat> so walk us through six and a half years ago when you first took the job with NXT, it was a completely blank slate. Like you didn't have a weight room, you didn't have any like infrastructure to follow, right? What would that felt like? And, you know, what were some of the things early on you thought you wanted to really focus in on to help get that program initiated? Yeah, good good question. I remember I remember that day like it was yesterday. Um probably some other I wish I could remember a lot of other times like like I can remember that because you know I had some great times there, but you know a lot of football and my, my memory's not that great. I need to get up on my, I need to get up on my Alpha GPC. Oh, yeah. But um so here we go. We're I left Houston on a Friday. I arrived to the Performance Center on Monday. Well, what I'm thinking in my head is I'm thinking WWE, big-time global company. I'm going to walk into a weight room that looks like something I just left with the NFL weight room. That wasn't the case. I walked in. There was a weight room, but there was stuff that was, like, all scattered around. It was no rhyme or reason. It was very much just, like, if you can imagine just big square footage – 5,000 square foot of stuff, but just, just kind of stuff aware, no rhyme or reason. And I walked in and I, I, you know, this is, this is what I thought. I'm like, Oh no, what did I get myself into? Cause this is, this is not what I thought it was. Just, that was my first reaction. Oh no. What did I get myself into? This isn't performance. This is just looks like stuff. So after kind of digesting that, the first thing that we had to, you know, you know, was going through my mind is how to create this flow, right? How do you, how do we take what we have and kind of, you know, create this flow of a weight room? I wanted to kind of, you know, and, and what, when I think about weight room, and this goes back to, you know, you and I have a lot of discussions about what's important in a weight room. And then, you know, you look about what we had gone through with the Houston Texans and Penn State and some of the things we messed up with with Penn State, some of the things we messed up with the Houston Texans as far as weight room design. I know that we wanted to have some flow. There, there's need to be the rack side, right? There needs to be space for the racks. That's where you're going to do your performance stuff. That's where you're going to squat and your bench and your dad and your, you know, your your performance lifts. You needed to have this flow of open turf area where we could do our dynamic warm up settings, and then we had our kind of auxiliary movements where our dumbbells and, you know, we machines and things like that you know so so that's kind of how i wanted to do it that was like my first kind of challenge was how do i kind of take what what's here 
and then kind of set it up in a flow. And then over time, it's like, all right, how can I talk to our budget guy to get some of this and then get some of that and then get, you know, slowly type of build this thing. And, and then it, it was very kind of like, all right, prove my worth with the company and show up and work hard and work hard until they eventually were like, man, this guy, this guy's busting his ass. Like, let's, let's see what he has to say. And then that's when I said, we need more turf space. We need pit sharks. We need reverse hypers. So uh, it took a little while to get there, but, but, you know, I put my head down, grinded, kind of like proved myself in that sense where I was like, all right, I'm not going to sit here and ask for all these things. I'm going to get to work with what I got which was good. It just was, I needed to create the space. And then after about a, you know, six months to a year stuff, they started, they started to kind of trust me. And, and, um, they, they started to open up a little bit as far as like, Oh, you need more space. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Um, and that's where we kind of expanded the turf space. We got some pit sharks some reverse hypers and things like that. We kind of really made better use of the space. Uh, that's and to this day, that's what I'm carrying with me is one of the most important things. Um, for weight room you know as i as i'm with the xfl and we're designing weight rooms as we speak we gotta have we these these are big these are big guys these are big athletes and space i think gets uh i think it gets kind of it's not as the, the first thought it's an afterthought so to speak so so having that space is what was crucial for us especially with the wwe because we were training large groups at a time we were having you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 people in a group. So that became really crucial. Um, it, you know, it's something that I take with me now is, is what, what, what is really important for <clears throat> to have in a performance weight room? So I, I think that's actually a really good segue. So, you know, point of this talk about key performance indicators and year one, just kind of like basically running around with your hair on fire, trying to figure out how do I get this room to allow me to just basically do a program that resembles what I want to do. But the other part is effectively figuring out what to do to get to some sort of functional outcome. And early on, I'm sure there was a lot of like, I have an instinct about this, but what were you leaning in on early on in the WWE of what to do and what were you trying to learn about what actually makes a great WWE athlete or superstar? Yeah, great, great question. I think the first part of that is you nailed it right in the head, running around with your hair on fire. Um, it's, you know, you, you, as much as you think you're going in there with a plan, my plan was day one, I knew what I wanted to do with a lower body day. It was a Monday. I, I wanted to, I, ha I had that as a plan. This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to kind of set the tempo. We're going to train as, they didn't train as a team. Right. They didn't they didn't train. It was a come in, kind of do what you want type thing. And it was just there to do so. It was just kind of there for them to train. So I wanted to set the tempo right away, almost like a, you know, college football setting or, a, you know, pro setting where it's, hey, this is what we're doing. We're doing all this dynamic warm up together. Then we're going to teach the box squat. Then we're going to do some sled drags or kind of had that plan. And then from there. It was like run around with your hair on fire, kind of get this thing. Get that. That was the most important thing is. We train as a team now, and we we are a team. So then as we get rolling with that, when you're talking about what's important, what this is where you and I have such good conversations because our setting, our settings were very similar. We train year-round, right? 
where's the payoff for these for these guys? There is no payoff for you know. It's like I you know they their payoff is their in ring ability in ring shows, but these this this group was developmental. They didn't really necessarily have a payoff. There wasn't a game on Sundays, so I was thinking, what is what is our payoff? And this is how this whole KPI thing started. I didn't think about it from a KPI standpoint. I thought about it was, what can I do to give these guys a payoff? So our payoff was a WWE combine, right? It was a, you train your butt year round. What do you got to, you know, what's the, what's the kind of payoff? So we've kind of developed this kind of a, kind of a testing day. I guess if you think about it from a, from a college football setting, a max day, or an NFL uh, a combine, you know, how they how they do the, you know, three days combine. We kind of set the stage of a WWE combine, and that's how it got this juices flowing of KPIs. Back then, I wasn't thinking about KPIs. I was just thinking about, let's do something cool. But then as the years progressed, I go to muscle mentorships. I go to, I, I start seeing the value and hearing, hearing you speak of like, you know, KPIs key performance indicators and and assessing that and then getting taking that and then seeing how we're getting better right so that's where i was like all right i got something cool with this wwe combine how can we kind of make that two for one that that's our kpi that's our assessment the these new people coming in bam that's hey our kpis are these eight events for a wwe athlete and then we tried to make it specific. And then as we, you know, right before I, I, I felt like I was kind of getting that going. And then, you know, um, I, I, I recently just left, but now if you look at it from 2022, we did eight events that these eight events are broken up into two days. And these are our KPIs for WWE. We had overhead med ball toss. We felt like that was a really good indicator of, power total body power we you throw it uh, maximally as far as you can females 10 pound med ball males 20 pound med ball we had broad jump we had vertical jump and those are pretty standard wwe combine or uh, nfl combine events that's lower body power vertical displacement horizontal displacement we had a in-ring shuttle so we wanted to make this more specific to the WWE. So it was a timed event, more of a, you know, hit the ropes three times, see how similar to a five, five, 10, five in the, in the, in the football setting. So we had that as our four speed athletic days. We come back day two and we're focused more on strength. We had our IMTP, which we use utilized force plates, which was our lower body strength, kind of like a max deadlift. We had pull-ups. We had a, um, a a cardio testing, which was a uh, we wanted to throw that was felt like we we needed to have some stamina test, and then we had um, I'm missing one, or uh, we did um, we did uh, I have to think about it now. It's like we did it, we did a pull up, we did oh, it was um, gosh dang it, it, it was, I have to I have to kind of think about it, but it was it was it was uh, it was eight events. Strength day, athletic day, strength day. And then what happens is now you have these things where you have this leaderboard, you have key performance indicators where we, we can progress and we can say, hey, this is where you're at. This is where the top NXT people were. Your Bianca Belairs, your Riddick Moss, your Ken Crawfords, who is um, who's Street Profits, uh, Montez Ford, 
You have all these people, Mandy Rose, all these people that are on this leaderboard, Raquel Gonzalez, all these people that are on SmackDown, on Raw. When you walk in, wow, this is what they did. And then this is how this is how we can kind of progress and and have something there. Not only not only to compete, but to compete against to compete against yourself to see where you stand as a NXT superstar. So that's how we that's how it developed into from a just doing something cool to see like what do WWE superstars need? This is what they need, and it turned into KPIs as well. Now you're running that once, twice a year. So we, as we progressed, we were doing it twice a year. So it became early on February. We got everybody in at the same, you know, everybody do it. It wasn't a big, big event. It was just in-house event. And then we're going to do it in August, September-ish. So that's going to be our big televised event. But that way you get, because the, with, with WWE, you constantly had the revolving door, new people coming in. So we felt like doing it twice a year was good because you're going to get, you're going to get pretty much everybody within two, two settings. So one, you might not capture the, the, the entire roster and people, you know, it allows you people, you know, if they're going through injuries or things like that to come back from. So, um, you know, we felt like doing it early on, you can see where you're at. And then here, here's like the, you know, the mid mid year, August, September, we really go for it. We televise it. We make it cool. And Triple H was a real big um, supporter of that. He loved it. And and you know now it's it's something a part of WWE. So it's so you talk about like just creating something out of nothing. Looking back, wow, that was kind of like just a cool idea I had. And then now you know WWE's putting all this kind of support behind it and going to blow up as they should. It's very you know it, it's it's they want to. Look, for a long time, there's a stigma of WWE athletes and sports entertainers that train a certain way, and maybe they just bodybuilders. So, like, if now with having something like the WWE Combine being being kind of like on a big stage, that helps push the narrative that these are top-level athletes, and that's kind of like, you know, one of my goals with going into the whole job back in 2016 was, yeah, I kind of want to help push that narrative towards – these are, you know, high performance athletes. So I think it's great, you know, whether or not they keep those eight movements or not, like, Hey, make it better. Go for it. That's kind of like what we thought WWE athletes needed. They needed, they needed speed. They needed power. They needed conditioning. They needed, you know, they, they needed certain things because they couldn't just be strong, right? They couldn't just be powerful. They had to kind of have that all. And what we felt like whoever won that thing, was no doubt the top overall athlete in in WWE, and I tell you what, people like Mad Cat Moss, who's who's on SmackDown Live, won that thing twice. People like Bianca Belair won that thing three times. She's she's carrying the company on her back right now. As far as you know, if you look at it, as far as Roman Roman Reigns is the is the top dog, and then you got Bianca Belair who's carrying that thing, and so it's like, look. Does it? We we know it's scripted. We know it's you know we know it's entertainment. But that tells you something right there. You know, like our our best that going right now. Bianca Belair won that thing three times, and so that that was always something cool for me to tell these newcoming NXT superstars. Like, hey, you don't think this this crap is important? 
Because let me tell you something. You got Mad Cat Moss was smacked down a lot. He won it twice. You got Montez Ford. His name's still on a leaderboard. You got Bianca Belair, three-time winner. You got Raquel Rodriguez. She's on the leaderboard. She's smacked down. So, like, you had all these kind of these people that set the stage before, you know, in the early years, and it mattered, right? And Because guess what? Athleticism, you can't hide it. You can't hide power. I don't care what sport you're in. I don't care if you're in football, basketball. The powerful athletes got the advantage. Brock Lesnar, there's a reason why Brock Lesnar is continues to be at the top because he's a beast, right? He, he, he literally is a beast. He's super explosive. I always used him as an example of, like, what we were trying to shoot for. You know, and yeah, you know, maybe, maybe, um, you know, it's not always a, a, a telltale sign of, for, for especially for WWE, because, you know, things are scripted and promos matter and character matter. But I tell you what, you got character and you got this and you got this athleticism, man, you got a deadly combo right there. And that's what we tried to do with the, with uh, NXT, with our combine, our KPIs. We really try to kind of make that big overall superstar, um, and we just put all these events together. Yeah, because like you look at what's marketable for WWE, it's you know charisma, stage presence, but athleticism and and being able to do all the maneuvers and all the acrobatic things like creates a great show. And if they're limited athletically, they can't do nearly the same maneuvers. It becomes a less than show, and then didn't you be ex- exceptionally strong in the other areas like charisma and stage presence? Why would you limit yourself, right? Why would you hold yourself to this small, finite thing that you do, which it's a really profound thing to think about. I know, I guess I would like to go into the area of, so you do KPIs, you did it the first year, your first year combine. You know, what did you learn from those tests that influenced your program year to year going forward in order to help you write a better program to meet the goals of some of these tests to help your athlete perform at a higher level? Yeah, it's a good question. So, you know, you talk about looking at it from, Let's just talk about it from a power standpoint, right? That that was that kept being um a, a, that kept coming up as like, man, that's really important because this this is what this thing's all about. The suplex is power. And and then so there was really two things that kind of helped me steer my programming. One was power and one was stamina. So the power aspect, you look at it like this. How do you what's the power definition? What is it? It's a math equation, right? It's Strength times speed. So when you talk about developing a program, if we need to get more powerful athletes, first thing, we, you know, what we did, we got VBT device, right? We needed to know if we were training in power zone or not. If we were training in speed or we were training in strength. If you don't have it, you're guessing. And that's something I learned from you, where it's like you, you, you needed the objective uh, objectivity to know whether you were guessing or you're not. So like that was a big thing I learned from you. It was like, bam, we're getting the BBTs because we need power. Hey, we're, we're going to train four days a week, four to five days a week, right? That's just the way our setting was because we saw them so freak, so much, so frequently. So we did two days of dynamic and two days of strength. So speed and strength, if we train that way, we felt like we we're going to get that power. We were going to become more powerful wasn't necessarily what type of exercise we were doing. It was, it was, are we training in that zone or not? So we put the BBT charts on the, each rack. We explained, you know, by osmosis, right? Oh, every single day, today's dynamic day. We want to be above 0.75, you know? 
And then today's strength day, we want to be below 0.75, right? So it was it was really kind of dialing in on are you training for strength and are you training for speed? And we felt like if we could kind of get – it didn't really matter what the lift was. It could have been band bench press. It could have been uh, a power clean. It could have been a, a, a band box squat, a speed dead. It could have been a floor press. It didn't really matter. We hooked that BBT device on, and depending on the day, what the emphasis was, that main lift, every every major lift we had, had the BBT uh, on it. So we knew, the athletes knew, if they were training for speed and they were training for strength. We felt like that was a good pairing for us to become more powerful. And, you know, now when it's like you're somebody comes up to me, man, they're sixth on broad jump, right? What do you got to do? Hey, we got to get more powerful. Here's and, and you say, how do I do that? Well, you show them what you're going to train for strength. You're going to train for speed. And then the other thing that uh, that was developed that kind of like um, influenced our programming based off the KPIs was the conditioning aspect. We kept finding out that didn't matter how big you were, didn't matter how strong you were. If you don't have the gas tank. It don't it don't matter because you're gonna blow up in the ring and it doesn't matter how, how technical you are, how good you look aesthetically. If you didn't have the gas tank, it was it was gonna be a problem. You blow up in that ring, and anybody that knows wrestling can tell you whether it's a fan or whether you're somebody that's in it, that's that's the number one thing. So that really influenced my programming as far as stamina. So the things we did there is we just kind of, you know, we bought things like joint friendly. Um, conditioning machines, right? So those are your Versa climbers. Those are your ski ergs, your, your rowers, your, um, you know, we bought things like, you know, well, we didn't, we had sleds. We utilized them a lot. We, we did things and again, going to muscle mentorship with your, with your things like, you know, your implements, like your steel maces and your steel clubs and kettlebells and slam balls. These are all, joint friendly movements or joint friendly exercises and machines that you can put these athletes on and not worry about them banging their elbows, them hurting their low back and their knees. So we utilize that a lot, those things a lot. And that, that influenced our, our programming. And we really dedicated a day towards that. So if, if you had two days speed and two days strength, one of those speed days, right? Let's say it was, it was a lower body dynamic day because it was our second lower body day of the week. We felt like we could kind of cut into the back end of the workout as far as lower body, because what do athletes train on? They train on their legs, right? They're in the practice. They're practicing on their legs. So if we felt like we could kind of be conservative on one area of the body. We felt like, Okay, it's lower body, right? Because they're getting all that stuff in on practice. So we got that main lift in with the dynamic lower. And then the back half was was our conditioning day. And that's where we utilized those machines. So we felt like when, as it was getting, you know, closer to, you know, you know, look, it wasn't like this 2016, right? I learned a lot. So like as it was getting near the end of my time, it was like, man, we felt really dialed in. We had power and we had conditioning. Um, so that's kind of like how these KPIs came to influence our program, because you take a look at it, like, is the programming helping these athletes get better in these, in these drills? And then, um, so that's kind of like how we, how we utilize that and, 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 and 
and then look, you could always you could always be specific to the individual, right? So if somebody po- did really poorly on our conditioning test, they might they might do extra conditioning throughout the week or that day. And if somebody wanted somebody needed to be more individualized in their speed and, and strength, let's take their um, their force plate profile, right? They didn't they weren't reactive enough. Well, instead of instead of moving it for 0.75 on their speed, they're moving it faster. They're moving at a 1.0 meters per second. And then instead of it going 0.3 on strength, they're they're trying to push that at 0.5. So you can really kind of get individual depending on their, you know, their velocity profile from their jumps and their conditioning tests. But we felt like overall, we wanted to be powerful. We also wanted to be conditioned. Of course, of course, you want to stay strong and mobile and all those things. But talking about specific for WE and what those KPIs did for us as far as programming, that's kind of how it influenced us. Which, you know, and one of the things that we talk a lot about is this idea of we're constantly selling what we do to everyone, right? And I don't think when you're working in the team setting, you really appreciate how much you're actually having to sell what you do to everyone around you, from coaches you work with, from support staff, to uh, the actual athletes themselves. Like, you take for granted that there's a little bit of like a, a dictator-like relationship, but their buy-in to everything that you're doing makes every bit different when we get in situations like you and i have or you had and i had is this we don't have we can't take for granted this idea that they're just gonna do what we say without any explanation or any cause is that and i think there's an example here for you which we've talked a lot about is with the wwe there's a little bit of autonomy allowed to the athlete if they have a little they're a little bit more of a veteran or they're a little bit more of like i'm not gonna buy into that 100 percent. so it's not a foregone conclusion. They have to train with you if they're part of NXT or if they're part of the WWE. You know, so with that being said, is was there ever an example for that guy who decides to train outward, outside of the NXT, doing KPIs with you, and then coming back and performing poorly, relatively speaking, to your athletes, and you're saying to them, we customize the program to be good at these things because this is what matters in the ring. You're not doing that on your own. You're doing things that quite frankly, are unspecific or irrelevant, and it's leading into a decreased performance. And did that help? Did that create a situation where you could substantiate what you were doing as more valuable to the people that decided to train with you? Like, was that an asset for you, I guess is what I'm saying, to demonstrate to your athletes, like, this is the best thing for you because this is designed for you? Yeah, that we, you know, that was definitely an issue. Um, throughout those six years being there not you know we had great buy-in overall but like you said there was you know especially some of the veterans that that were that were in this you know they um yeah sure they 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 had they didn't have to come in and train with 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 me so what would happen would be like i would i never kind of like i don't want to say never like i learned from my mistakes early on I welcome that. You're like, hey, you want to go? Do, you want to go and do that outside? Like, go for it. You know, because and then sometimes what happened was they go and they go outside, right? And they go do this bodybuilding phase, and they go they go do too much volume, and what happens? They end up running into a wall and getting beat up, and then they come back, and then when you come back, it's like you don't. I never was like upset, right? Because 
you got to kind of figure it out yourself. So I was like, I welcomed with open arms, embraced them. And I never, I never said a thing. I said, Oh yeah, man, I, I, you, I didn't care what day it was, what, uh, who walked in that door. I don't care if I saw them. If, if, if I didn't, it didn't matter to me. What mattered to me is they were on time and we, we trained. Like that was the only thing. So, uh, they would come in. We wouldn't make it a big deal, and we, I'd welcome back with open arms. And then uh, uh, one good example of that would be a guy named Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes is uh, is on NXT Superstar right now. He's going to be – he's one of our – he's one of the best wrestlers in, in the company uh, overall, not just NXT. But he's going to be a big star in the main roster uh, at some point. He – you know, he uh, – I, I wouldn't say a lot of people would disagree with that. It's just a matter of time. But Cameron was someone that early on worked out with us, and then he kind of climbed up the ranks, didn't have to train with us anymore, went off, did his own thing, came back, had a conversation with me. I remember this conversation clearly. It was at an NXT TV. He walks in, NXT TV night, they're getting ready to perform, and he he sees all this new equipment. He sees the force plates. He sees the body composition machine. He's, he's looking at these devices that, that are the VBT devices. And he's like, what's this, coach? And I said, yeah, man, this stuff right here, check this out. This is a force plate. Well, what this does, you pop up, you jump up. It's going to measure your force. It's going to measure how quickly you get off the ground. It's going to measure how left and right imbalances, all these things. Oh, you see this device right here? This is going to measure your speed on the bar. You're going to make sure your power, strength, boom, bam. So we really take care of our guys here. And I'm just talking to them like this. I'm talking to them like I'm talking to a coach. No, no ill will that he kind of like made up his mind that he was going to train outside. And then I, you know, what, what really kind of drew him was the science behind it. And then, and then I was showing him the, the, even the subjective thing, the, the, the workload management survey. Hey, and then, yeah, yeah, you take a picture of this, you rate your day as far as how, how hard you, you work that day, your RP, this, all this stuff right here, Cameron, this is for you, but this is, this is not, you know, this is for you, for, for me to help help you take care of your body and make sure that you're doing what the things do. And then from that conversation, he goes, okay, cool, man. I want to try this. I'll come in. I'll come in on Monday. And he came in on Monday and uh, the rest is history. He's been training there ever since. And he, he's somebody that kind of, you know, look, look, he was going to be good. He was going to be good wherever he trained because he's just that person. But he was somebody that, that I was allowed to go to the coaching staff where I'm like, Look at this guy, Cameron Grimes. Went outside, did this, came back to us, didn't have to. Body looks great, killing it, never felt better. Like, that was a real good example of, for me, just far you talk about, like, selling your stuff. I was able to sell the coaches on that really because they were like, man, Cameron Grimes is one of our top guys. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. So the technology was a real big um, component in that. Not everybody's going to look at technology that way, but what that does, it allows you to kind of prove what you're doing. And I remember that conversation and, and, and there was, you know, that's just one example of how somebody, somebody said, okay, yeah, I'm going to go and do my own thing because, you know, I, I can, I want to be, you know, it's, it's individual to me and I needed this and I need that. Okay, cool. And then he came back, opened arms, never, never had, he never had a, you know, I wasn't like, screw that guy. You know, he don't know what he's talking about. It was just an open embrace. And um, that was, that was, a that was one of those cases where it's like this, all these things help the, the technology, the, 
the, the the stuff we were doing. And then he's, you know, obviously he's do, he's doing great, and it's just a matter of time before you see him on the on the main roster. You know, what's amazing about that is, and this harkens back to my time working with the military and uh, meeting various special forces, and I'm not allowed to say their name um, publicly, but, you know, one of the things that um, we saw, one of the special force groups, they're like, look, if if it matters to protecting our lives and saving the lives of our our, our countrymen, uh, we're going to do it. And uh, And I think it goes into this narrative of like, you know, when you work with any of these groups that have a lot of autonomy with what and where they do, like WWE superstars or NFL athletes, like a lot of people don't really appreciate that. Hey, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like managing egos and certain things like, right. I'm not trying to say that uh, Tom Brady and his trainer with the strength staff in New England and, and Tampa Bay is disruptive, but that strength coach who's walking around Tampa Bay has to be respectful of him based off of like essentially he's a gm and he's the he's the guy right and you as a strength coach need to be able to swallow your own pride and your ego but there's a moment right there's this moment do you go to that person go hey what your perception of me at one point is maybe fair but look how we've evolved you know why we've evolved because we tested and we found out gaps and we found out areas we can improve upon that that perception at one point you know and maybe it was just your first impression or maybe it was accurate but mm-hmm. now what i am now relatively speaking to that and what i could provide you based off of what i've learned from folks like yourself like i'm gonna go do this by myself or we found areas or, or limitations from our programming relatively speaking to the kpis that we assigned and we invested money we invested time like you can't just add velocity based training or force stacks or force plates in any kind of capacity without putting some time and learning how to use them or understand them right like yeah it's not just okay. a simple buy it and it'll happen. It's not right. like this, like, oh, I got my force plates, check that box. Right. Like, it's a lot of time, energy, and effort that goes into figuring out how to use it and then implementing it into your program and then interpreting that information uh, and then selling that. And then what happens is you have an elite level athlete and much like special forces or working in the NFL, like the athletes will they'll believe more into you if you're capable of growing and evolving to what their needs are. And the only one way to do that is to evaluate your programming, relatively speaking to a baseline. And that's where KPIs really come in Um, and having that awareness. And it started off as how do we create some sort of like true North here and vector gives something to push towards. But in the other end, it gives you something like, oh, dang, I really have a limitation in this programming. I need to get more cardiovascular machines. I need to get velocity-based training. I need to get force play technology. I need to get body composition analysis. I need to get these things to really give me some sort of like indication of I'm doing a good job or not. And then all the athletes walk in and go, damn, I really appreciate you giving me that effort. Um, So with all that being said, and I think there's another actually really big talking point here, and we haven't talked about it yet, but you know, NXT expanded to more than just outside of Florida, right? And yeah, you had a, a location in in another country that you almost had to like, almost start from scratch again, you know, and I think this is like another moment is hopefully going to give you a great segue into your next venture in your career, but like working remotely and blindly, like is when you were looking at NXT in England, were there some things that you're like, okay, this matters, a substantial thing. Does it go back to, let's get them training as a team. Let's get into these combine things and let's start to learn from that from an equipment standpoint. Like what was your approach when you had a completely remote location that you weren't seeing more than once a year? 
Yeah, that that was uh man, that was some of the most rewarding experiences that I've had is that um that NXT UK because we literally start I can show you pictures. We literally started with a one of those it was it's like the three-sided cages, right? It's like a squat rack on, you know, a squat rack next to it and squat rack behind you get you have three. And that's what we started. It was just like that that med balls, some bumper plates, and a couple plyo boxes. That's what we had to train 50, 50 people in the UK. And we did it. And the, the main thing for that was the the main thing with that was getting set up of the flow and like this is what I want to bring to my next stop. The flow of like how a workout is. A lot of these people, uh, a lot of these athletes, they did not know what a, how a workout should should be. Right, like they walked in, they start, they got to the you know wherever gym they they start they start hitting. Right, they do a chest day or they do a back day and just start start going. So the big thing for for me was educate. Teach, hey, we're gonna roll out. We're gonna we're gonna self myofascial release. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do foam roll. We're gonna do lacrosse balls. Okay. Next thing we're gonna do, we're gonna mobilize those joints. Right. We're gonna go, you know, uh, and then you know these things progress as you get as you get smarter and you you evolve yourself because you, you know you see what latest is out there. And but no, you you're, you're gonna do some some sort of mobility drills to open up those joints to create a window so that you're able to kind of like optimally train. And then we want to activate those muscles, right? That we, we, we don't necessarily, that we're turned off all day. Where those are your glutes, those are your upper back, right? Sitting, you know, me, you and I sitting in, the, in this position right now, our upper back's turned off, our glutes are turned off. We're not really bracing our core. So just kind of educating them on like, all right, here's how a workout should flow. And then we prime ourselves open or we prime ourselves for that lift. We do something explosive. Boom, bam, boom. That's why we had the, that's why we had the med balls. And then we're going to, then we're going to lift and we're going to lift like joint friendly exercises because you're always getting banged on your backs. You're always getting thrown in, into a canvas, hitting the ropes. And then, you know, that, so that was kind of like the main thing is educating them on what we were doing down in Orlando. And then it was make the weight room, look like the one in Orlando. So that way, like you had trap bars, you had safety squat bars, you had turf, you had racks. And then, but it started off with small, which it was, I'll I'll text you these pictures. It's crazy. Like just a small little jungle gym rack, you know? And then it was, and then it was med balls and that's how it started. But they appreciated it because they never had anything. They, they, those guys never had a, a lick. So, it, that's how we trained for, for several months like that. And then Triple H put some money towards it, made this weight room. Boom. We freaking, you know, created this nice weight room. Sornex did a great job with our turf and the racks and everything. And and then that, that I'm so glad we did it that way because, man, when they saw that, they were like, man, they, they earned it, you know. And, and so so then it was like once we had that, then we started getting into – the combine stuff and and really trying to measure their broad jumps and things like that. But it started off with how it flows, what the workout, what the system is, right? You know, uh, and then and then we kind of created a weight room. So very similar to what you know what this process was down in NXT. There was a little bit more time, 
you know, uh, and you know, the pandemic kind of got in the way of that, that, that was a real big, um, you know, it's unfortunate because that kind of limited us from going over there and we didn't really have, um, you know, we were doing the best we could remote training, but it was kind of getting to that point where like, yeah, we were going to have this big combine where the UK people were going to come down and compete and, oh yeah, it was going to be huge. So, you know, and then, you know, things just like everybody throughout the country got hit with that thing, you know, the pandemic and we had to kind of, you know, uh, pivot and things like that. But yeah, that was the, that was the kind of the, the, the process and training over there. And that's kind of like what I want to bring to the XFL. It, when we put this team together, it's like, Hey, this is, this is how, look, your bodies get banged up playing football. What's, when you go to the gym, it's not just working out. It's it's a mini recovery session. You want to feel good, right? So here's how that we can do that, right? We can we can do it. Okay, we roll out. We hit some cars. We activate the muscles that were, you know, that were weakened. We do something explosive. Okay, now we hit our now we train, right? And then you can, you know, from your assessments or your FMS, whatever, we can kind of figure out, hey, how how can we how can we do what the majority needs? How can we do what specific people, specific athletes need? And then how does it all kind of look? But it should have a general flow. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like how we can educate, right? First thing you got to do with the new with the new uh new space, new team, new league, educate, make the weight rooms kind of look how you want them. And and then uh yeah, that's you know, that's kind of like big picture is why I'm so grateful for the experiences we had at the WWE. Hopefully that kind of, you know, helps us with, with this new venture. You know, and one of the, I mean, this comes up quite a bit and you and I can relate to this is, you know, it's easy to talk about in hindsight once we get the rooms the way we want them, but we got to get out there and talk about why we need certain things and why we need certain equipment and certain staffing. It costs a lot of money. And the reality of the situation is unless we have something objective to go to our superiors and say, we need this much money to get this tool, these tools and this staff, and even this education to support that, you know, they're not just going to go, Oh yeah. Sean says it's great. Right. We're you, you have an archetype now. Cause you built in like, Hey, you want that person that's going up to SmackDown and raw. You want that person that's all pro playing all 16 games. Well, here's the tools that we need. It's going to get us racks, med balls, kettlebells, blah, blah, blah. It's going to need this much staff to help coach this and support this and motivate those athletes. And from there you go, okay, this is the, this is where we want to be. And we're going to reverse engineer that process. And here's what's going to cost. And if you don't have that outcome, if you can't create that visual image or that archetype for that general manager, that president, that CFO, whoever it is, that's like, the no person, right? That where that's where the buck stops. Right. You're not having a leg to stand on. So when you're a strength coach and you go, damn man, we don't have enough resources. We don't have enough more. It's not a matter of you not having enough. It's you're not able to convince someone that's deciding whether you should have that or not that it's important enough. Right. And you know you have to be able to create that. And I think it comes again to having standards and creating tests and going, well, we can't do that unless we have these tools or have these people. How do we get to get that? Like, I can tell you we can do it without it, but that would be a lie. And if this would help yeah. us, it'd be a lot more linear. We could probably jimmy rig something, but it'd be okay. a lot linear and a lot better. And at the end, when you start to evaluate the cost of all these things in hindsight, 
you know, it just didn't happen like that. And then he didn't say, here's a blank check and do what you want. It was a lot of coercing, a lot of, uh, hey, we're coming up short here. Here's where we need support. We want this. We need this. How are we going to get to in between? And as you start to look at now this next venture and you're going like, it's so easy to look back in hindsight. Like, well, this is what we had at the end over six years of of talking to athletes and talking to coaches and talking to the people that make decisions on money to now like, oh man, it's going to take a long, slow process to building out. And the same thing with myself in my situations. Like, you know, I start from year one at our first Allegiant to what it costs to actually build that out over the course of six years and outfitting that with not just six racks, benches and bars. It's a much more intricate thing with a bunch of other things I've added over the years. And now starting day one with, everything all the other locations have like okay this has gotten pretty expensive quickly but it was necessary yeah and it actually became unequivocally important because of the testing like we we know that we need this stuff and we can't get around it without it and i just as we look back over this stuff like you know i think there's a couple of big things that hopefully all strength coaches who are listening to this like all right we're always selling our program and then we don't we shouldn't take for granted that someone should give us something based off we want it we have to we have to convince someone that we need it based off of some sort of standards that we are getting to so all that being said everything going through you know what is your thoughts of kpis in this you know next venture and you don't have to get super specific but you know one of the things that i think would be helpful based on everything you learn like you know, are you going to use a similar model? Are you going to use something that's going to be specific to this? Like, are you going to go more back to your uh, roots with the Texans and, and uh, Penn State and then time at Harvard? Like, where are you thinking? Where's your head going in this direction? And, you know, and it could even go to a higher level of how are you evaluating your staff, right? Like, you're going to have a huge staff underneath you and you can look at them and go, okay, this is how I'm evaluating you and your ability to do your job at a high level. Yeah, so great, great question. I think like just hearing that talk about, you know, how your how the rooms have evolved. I think we bring in and, and what we want to bring the XFL. I think something that's like, uh, you know, you talk about racks and med balls, and kettlebells, like one of the things that you, I feel like that you need, right. Is these are these force plates. And I think they're just so valuable in like, that's going to be a big KPI for us. And then not so much as like, you got to jump a certain height, but just like monitoring fatigue. You talk about like, you want to take care of this athlete then you want that athlete to play 10 weeks, you know, in a, in a full season when, you know, in the XFL will be 10 weeks plus training camp. You're going to need to monitor. You're going to need to, you know, you know, to make sure they're, they're his monitor their fatigue and lo- load, load management, things like that. So I think we, you know, let we, I would absolutely love to bring the, the force plates in to the XFL because I think it's a crucial part. And then you can kind of get, you can kind of play that for a, a two for one uh, deal there. You can you use that for load management, but then you can also use that for like a KPI, whether that's, you know, a, a IMTP pool or, you know, just a straight up vertical jump. So I think those are crucial because they can do so much. And then, you know, what it, it has to, you kind of have to look at what a football player needs and then you, with our case, a lot of these KPIs happen in the off season, right? Like where, you know, maybe in a football setting, they're, they're, they're going to hit their, their testing stuff as when they, you know, in the off season, because now that, you know, when they get to training camp, it's all, it's all about ball. We, we're not going to have that luxury with XFL. We're going to be training remotely. So we had to have to get creative as a staff. Like, 
maybe like what what do we do with our KPIs from a distance, right? Is that, you know, you can take a look at like what Brandon McDaniel's doing with the Dodgers. They do some cool stuff with some med ball, some med ball throws. Like I really like that, like for power. You know, football players need power. So there's some cool things we could do with med balls. It's it's simple. It's not CNS like taxing where you're like, oh man, I worry about getting them mm-hmm. getting them hurt for the for camp. No, we could definitely do some overhead med ball toss, some chest throws, some things like that, your broads. And so like it, I think it's just like a matter of two things. What we feel like as a staff is important to to test. And then what isn't going to – like, we don't have them coming in, like, in the offseason to where we we have that luxury to, like, do that and, and really, like, hit them hard. Like, with WWE, I was able to hit them hard, right? If you go – if you do that – if you do those eight KPIs in two days, you're drained. Yeah. So we were able to, like, hey, when do we not have wrestling this weekend? So we were able to kind of plug that in. We had that luxury. We might not have that luxury with the XFL, probably won't. So it's like – it's – Maybe it's a hey, maybe it's a one arm row, the bird dog row that uh, Coach Heenan does with his uh, with the ninety mile an hour row. Like maybe we do something cool with that, you know. And it's like have them film it, but it's got to kind of it's got to kind of make sure that we don't tap into their ability to kind of go into training camp. Which I think we, you know, it's just a matter of us being collaborative, being communicative as a staff, and then hiring good people that 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 are that are kind of like like thinking about the same stuff and and realize the importance of player availability and KPIs. And then we can kind of create our something from scratch. And I think it has to be something that doesn't tax them for the training camp, but it's something that, that, that definitely can't be done. So, you know, it, whether that's med ball tosses, whether that's 80% of your body weight for a single leg lunge or a single arm row for strength or, or pull-ups test, things like that. Yeah, I think um, I think I think we could we could definitely do it. Um, you know, you're still at the end of the day, you're training you're training human beings, right? Uh, and 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 athletes and athletes need to be powerful. They need to they need to be strong. They need to be you know and have have stamina. So uh, that's something that's definitely definitely thinking about as we as we kind of go down this this venture. And I'm excited to kind of talk to, through those things with our with our team once we once we get it in place. But no doubt, because if you don't if you don't have it, how do you know whether or not you're doing a good job or not? Right. How do you know? How do you know what to tell the guys? Hey, this is where you need to improve. That's going to be a big thing. Like these these players want to make it to the NFL. Right. That's their goal. We're, here, here's our opportunity. Like it shouldn't just be like you come in the weight room and be like, all right, man, let's do this workout and get to the NFL. No. Here's what you got to get better on. You want to get to the league? Here's here's where you can improve on. See how mm. see how you came in. See how like you only did like this for your KPI here. Like we could get you here. You got a good shot of going. Yeah. So I think it's not something that would be. I think it's I think it's a necessity to have just because you're you're in player development mm. and you you know you can you can sit there and say like you can either just have good workouts or you can say hey you're in a true player development. Um, setting in a high performance setting and that's where it kind of like differentiates for for me as well you know for for and i think you would agree like that's that's the difference um so massively important and it's just a matter of kind of talking through that with that team and 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 seeing what we can come up with but i'm excited about it yeah you know it's it's funny too because it makes me think about the opposite end of the spectrum of working with a coach that 
has been doing it for a while and pretty set in their ways, right? And you have to go, why are we doing this? And the, the classic example was when I worked at Army, uh, Coach Munkin would run 300-yard shuttle test at the beginning of preseason, right? So finish off-season workouts, go to preseason, and then we have like Sunday night, like report day, 300-yard shuttles. And yeah. it was O-Lyman, two, uh, two 300-yard shuttles under 65 seconds, combo 62, and then skill 60, like 25 about six they, times. And then they got practice the next night, right? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so right. but, and I can remember when I was at Georgia Tech, I, Paul Johnson's been doing this for 40 years, right? I mean, time he was at Georgia Southern all the way through Navy and then time at Georgia Tech. And it was not going to change. And it just wasn't. And Munkin worked for Coach Johnson for 30 of those years, right? I mean, right. it was a really long time and incredible level of success everywhere they've been. And I remember that first, that first uh, preseason, we're going through the schedule and uh, Munkin's like, all right, you know, what time should we do the 300 yard shuttles? And I was like, do we have to do them? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, of course we do. And I was like, well, what does that say about me not doing my job in the off season? Right? Like, and he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if I have all the guys there throughout the entire summer and they come in there for the six weeks that we have, and they're getting after it for all six weeks, and we have certain standards and KPIs that we're meeting, right? From a performance standpoint, we're making improvement. Guys are going through all the workouts and doing everything they got to do to help them prepare for preseason. Does that say that you don't believe that I'm doing my job or is that, is that necessary? Like the reason why I was there is because at one point at Georgia Southern guys would go home for the summer and you needed something to hold accountable to when they come back of like, Hey, we got this test. And if you can't pass it, you got to do it every day till you pass it to give some sort of impetus to do that. Right. I'm sure similar right. to Harvard, if you went away and I get that point from there, but it's like, it's different and we've evolved, but I'll tell you if we can get to July, and we can do 40 perfect agilities, meaning that we don't touch a line or we touch the right line. We don't knock over a cone and we turn the right direction for 40 programmed agilities. I think that would be an adequate indication that we're in physical shape for preseason camp. I'm like, come out and watch it. So he came out and watched it. And, you know, first couple of weeks was pretty rough, right? Like a lot of callbacks right. over the course of three weeks. He comes out there for the third, fourth week massive improvement right and we're not just kind of giving it to them right they're they're doing everything right they're executing right i'm like physically cognitively emotionally they're all ready we don't need to do this 300 yard shuttle test and he's like fair enough that's good wow. Are you, you proved to me that we don't need to do 300 shuttle test and we don't have this issue of a bunch of hamstring pulls on practice yeah. one because guys are absolutely gassed the alternative is when we we're at georgia tech we did 300 yard shuttles every week to prepare for a 3D yard shuttle test, knowing that's not in the best interest of the athletes. We're not working speed right. power, working energy system is probably not specific. You know, these things are just not relevant. And to be honest, that and then showing over time, you know, this like force deck stuff, we use we use for uh, jump mats at the time, wellness, RPE, workloads, catapult, everything we could use to show in season, we don't need to do post-practice conditioning. Over time, we were able to convince them that that was unnecessary as well. If we're going 24 periods, practicing really hard three, four days a week, we don't need to do end of practice conditioning. Right. You know, that's just excess and it's probably leading to more fatigue, right? It's right. 
fitness, fat, and mass by fatigue. So we get into this element of, I remember he said it to me after year one, and I wasn't going to win that one. It was like, we were doing post-practice conditioning and he ran it off. It was just a bloodbath. Um, and it eventually led to all the varsity guys were over doing muscle beach with us doing yeah, yeah. push-ups and sit-ups until right. the scout guys who just got destroyed for 24 periods finished conditioning. Right. Um, um, he would write to me at the end of the year. He's like, we look slower than we were in September. I was like, so let, let's get this straight. They were faster in September right. than we were in November. And we've been practicing three, four days a week for the past 12, 16 weeks. Do you think it's a, shot. Yeah. Do you think yeah. it's a matter of fatigue or we've been a lack of effort? Right. And um, he's like, um, like, it's fatigue. You know that, right? Workloads right. are sky high, all these things. But unless we had compelling evidence and objective data to yeah. show him from catapult and workloads, then we wouldn't be able to win that. So that next oh, no. year, we were able to say, hey, here's our energy system development. Here's how we develop our perimeter guys to meet the demands of practice. Here's our interior guys and what they do to meet their, their bioenergetic bio demands in practice. Here's how we progress this week over week, month over month from one phase to the next. We don't need to do a conditioning test and we don't need to do post-practice conditioning. It's unnecessary. It's actually leading to a performance decrement. Right. And those are some areas that I was able to convince them through KPIs. But the other end, it's you get a blank slate. And you're going to have yeah. to get out there in front with a bunch of people who have their ways, right? Like a bunch right. of coaches. Like, this is the way I've always done it. This is the way my coach did it. You know, and, and saying like, no, we have actually like a compelling evidence to show that we don't need to do it that way. Trust our process. And we'll show you unequivocally through objective data that we're going to do it. And on both ends, again, we're not, right. not we're always selling. We're always selling. Right. We're always. selling to, we're always selling to the person that's done it always this way. Yeah. The person that could be convinced in a new setting, a new environment that we're going to do it this way. And, and that, that's, that's where you got to be a good connector, you know, because you got to, you know, when you're at, what your example with, with coach Munkin right there is like, Hey, come out there and come out there and watch agility. It's like, you were able, you didn't go into his office and say, I'm not doing it. Screw you. We don't need this. Now you were able to connect with him and kind of give a little, Oh yeah, just come out here and see. And if not, you know, you're, you're right. And I think that's where, you know, the, the most of like, whether it's coach, whether it's player, whether it's staff, like you got to be a good connector. You got to be a good listener. And then you, Hey, who knows? He could like, you got to be open to, to new ideas and whether the coach is right or things like that. So just being able to be a good connector is, is going to be going to be huge for us. And I, I think like one thing that I like, man, we're the, the people that are involved in the XFL is just, they're just top notch and they, they're super collaborative. And it's like, that's the reason why, I wanted to kind of be a part of it because they are, you know, they we're already kind of, you know, talking about these things and, you know, you know, we're, we're few, you know, we're four or five months out. So like, we're already having these conversations and it's like, man, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And, and it, we, we are, we do, we do want to be the, the league of tomorrow. And that's the exciting thing. What does that look like? Right. Like what, you know, is it, is it, is it, you know, people playing football on jetpacks? No, it might, it's, it's using the technology that's available for all these years of like, like you said, of like, of, of after, you know, how things have always been done then trying to find a way where it's like, Hey, still practice hard, still football at the end of the day, but here's some ways that we can kind of maximize our, our performance and, and, and keep guys healthy. And um, so that's the exciting part. And, and yeah, it's just, it's just kind of, it's using the, 
it's taking what we learned with muscle mentorship, right? At the end of the day, it's the more information you have, the better decisions you can make. And that that is something that's huge that's really helped me out going to muscle mentorship is, hey, take all the information that you can get and then kind of present it and sell it, right? Because you're constantly selling. So present it to the athlete, present it to the coach. And the other day, like you mentioned this about, you know, some autonomy with, with, with the athletes at WB, like if you present the information well enough, it should all be autonomy. It should all be kind of autonomous, right? You, like with your with your guys at, at, at Legion, like you're just like, hey, you want to get better? Like what are your goals? You want to you want to look better and feel better and 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 you know look over your shirt off and do it all year round. Well, here's here's come to Allegiant. We're going to provide you the tools to do that, right? And if you say screw off, I'm not doing this. I want to go to you know F45 or somewhere else. Then fine, like that's fine. But you're presenting the tools for them to do with that. Same thing with XFL. Same thing with anything. WWE. Hey, we got force plates here. We got the tools for you. To, to get what you want to be. You want to go to the NFL? Here, you know, here's what we, we got the tools to provide that for you. If you say screw off, okay. No, I got you. You know what I mean? I get it. But, you know, it, should, it shouldn't be a do this. We're going to, you got to do it our way. You know, like we should just be like, hey, uh, educate, whether it's sleep, whether it's, hey, man, you know how I many times I've had the aura conversation with, with WWE athletes? Like, What's that thing on your finger? Oh man, sleep, man. Like HRV, really good indicator of your readiness. Like your your resting heart rate, really good indicator of like you know your recovery and your fitness levels. Like oh man, you just educate. You don't you don't tell them to get it. You don't say oh you got to have the aura. You just you know you just constantly you're just constantly educating. And that's like that's that's another big thing that I'm going to take with me is uh it's not a it's not a do it do it this way or else. It's um. Edu- it's a constant educating uh, thing, and and you know that's that's kind of like you know if you provide those tools, they'll and they really want to make it to the next level, they'll they'll listen to or like hey they'll go outside and find out that what what they had is what they you know they'll come back to you you know right. and it's, that's that's kind of like what I'm what I've learned too is uh, is it's okay if. If everybody, if if not everybody is like buying into your stuff, it's okay. And that's kind of like what a big thing that I learned at WB. Like it's all right, it's okay. You you got to evolve, and and it, you might not ever. It, it doesn't have to be that way, you know. It's mm-hmm. like um, so that that's kind of like what I'm going to take with me as well. And and um, yeah, it's super excited. And I, I see your I like I see that you know. It's funny because like we our our worlds parallel so much. Like when I was with WWE, we paralleled as far as like scheduling and and what our what our clientele wants, right? Like your clientele want to look good, feel good, and do it all year round. Same same with WWE, and it's like now our worlds parallel even more because you you're always posting Small Business Chronicles, man. Like oh man, like I didn't, I didn't go to school for this. Like how to hang shit. It's like that's what I'm doing now. Like. I'm in this small business world to like start from scratch. So it's like, we can't get away from each other as far as like our world's parallel. So it's just funny, man. Like, it's like, like it's, it's crazy to think of it that way, but it's so true. Like we're a small business uh, starting from scratch. So it's like, every time I see your, 
SBC uh, Small Business Chronicles on your story. It's like it's like I can relate. I know what you're going through. You know what's amazing about that too, and you mentioned Aura and how we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago about how much your training is reactive to that now, right? Like, you know, we have this definition of hard training, right? It's going to be, you know, four days a week, upper, lower split, you know, whatever the, and this is my hard training, right? Right, right. now, I mean, you're in a startup mode. I'm in a startup mode. We got a lot of moving parts. You wake up and as a, a good friend of mine used to say, we're just trying to have a good shitty day. Aura says I'm a 41 readiness. I don't have the ability to do a high CNS loaded day. I don't. So I'm going to go out there and do what I can. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to get some sunlight. I'm going to maybe do some zone two cardio. Uh, Maybe I'm going to do some accessory work. And that's it. That's my training day. But isn't that something that you look through with your XFL athletes and you're saying, we're going to get to the tail end of preseason. What is our ability, right? Everyone's going to come out guns blazing, go hard, try to make a roster. What is their ability on week four preseason or getting towards uh, right before postseason where everyone knows their fate, either they're going into playoffs or they're not, and everyone's motivation is either really low or really, really up, and you're having to manage all of that, and you're looking at their readiness, their workloads, their wellness, and you're going, how do I have a really good shitty day for every single person here? Because I've been there myself. Like, yeah. if, if you were going to say, like, damn, I didn't do – 90% on barbell back squat today. And I didn't do a set of PR on this exercise today. It was a, I was a waste of my time. That is the farthest thing from the truth, yeah. right? You woke up 41 readiness. Sleep was like a 10, all these really low scores. Like, all right, what is the best thing I could do today for me? That's a win. And, yeah. and I don't think you know that because if you're only going off this baseline without any testing or any kind of diagnostic to support like that. And it's not saying that you're coasting, What it is saying is that you're being reactive to the things that are absolutely true. And then when the time does come and readiness skyrockets and now you're ready. Yeah. And that's when, you know, you capitalize on it. But, but again, going into this idea of like, unless we're doing some sort of testing and diagnostic of where we're at, you know, you don't really know and you don't appreciate that. And you don't, you don't have this like awareness of it. And then you kind of scratch your head of like, damn performance was really shitty with my team today. Like, it wasn't our best day. I wonder what it was. I wonder if there was something I could have done beforehand to know that was going to be a shitty day. Or I wonder if there was something I could do from an inventory standpoint to ensure that everything we're doing is is the best we could possibly do on that given day based off of the needs of the athlete, right? And yeah. you know, that's why high-low comes into play. That's why all these things have to evolve because yeah. you know that there's a certain limit to what someone can do. And then there's no there's ebbs and flows and motivation and yeah. workloads. If, if we can get in front of that, if we can, if we can kind of know that and program for that from the at the from the gate from the get go, I think that we're 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 putting the athlete first, mm-hmm. and because we were putting them in their head, and we know we talked about it. You mentioned this, and also mentorship. Be selfish, right? Do, do it, do it, do it for you. Get the information for you, and they'll trickle down to your athletes. And that's kind of like I just texted you a few days ago. Actually, beginning of the week, I'm like, I'm switching, I'm switching uh, my workout routine for the longest I can remember. You know, I I was upper or I was like lower upper recovery day, lower upper, you know, kind of recover on the weekends. And I just hit you up. I texted you. I said, man, I'm I'm going uh, high low approach, right? I'm going train, walk, train, walk, train, train, and it's like because 
this new job is mentally, you know, it's, it's stressing, you know, it's small business chronicles. It's, it's, you know, you're on the computer, I'm getting a bunch of blue light all freaking day. And it's like, okay. And I, I wouldn't have known the ebb and flow, the high, low approach, but I didn't go to you and learn from you. And it's like, that's something that we can take and bring to our athletes with the XFL. Like, Hey, you're going to have hard practices, man. Like you're gonna. So let's, 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 um, you know, piggyback that with, you know, maybe a lower intensity day and we can even educate some of the coaches maybe like, Hey, okay. Yeah. Hey, you got after him here. Okay. How about a little bit of a, you know, walkthrough type day here. And then we pick it back up and then we, you know, we, 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 you know, we can kind of educate them as well. And, and as long as we're all collaborative and we're all kind of thinking the same way, player, player first mode, what's best. I think we got a good shot of uh, doing something cool and um, yeah, just really, you know, that's, but, but yeah, it's just funny you mentioned high, low and it's like how, how uh, I did that today, this week myself personally, and I loved it and yeah, get after it on Monday, go for a walk on Tuesday. Be like, I don't care. Like I could be feeling great. I'm still going to go for a walk because I know that day's going to be stressful. Right. I know, I know I'm going to be sore from the day before. So it's like, um, it's, it's just setting those, it's setting those plans in place, uh, to, to kind of, um, you know, help you, help you withstand all the stressors and things like that. So yeah, it's working out so good. We'll, we'll keep it rocking and rolling with the, with the high low approach. Well, and it's, it's interesting though, too, of like the track and field where it really evolved from, you do have that definitive output measure, right? Did you run across the line faster than you would if you didn't train? football has every Sunday, Saturday, right? And that's that's where it becomes like really easy to justify it. It's when you don't have that. When it's Groundhog's Day of a preseason, it's 30 days straight of practice. You yep. don't have that like, oh man, that, that practice sucked. Like what the fuck, these guys don't care. Right. Like, well, we just did 24 periods of full contact right. practice. We're pretty much 24 of which were basically Oklahoma drill and team yesterday. Um, yeah, I could have told you that was going to be bad based off of the <laughs> workloads and everything else that went into it. Um, not to mention this, too, of like you basically just told them how bad they were for three hours straight and then meetings yeah. right now are telling you how bad you were. Like emotionally, physically, and cognitively, they're pretty drained. I can't imagine yeah. the day after is going to be good. So having that discipline and that structure to understand that physiology and psychology and motivations, ebbs and flows are going to be, or spiritually, whatever way you want to define it, this like, constant up and down seesaw effect of we need yeah. to get out in front on that and we need to understand that today's the day we're going to overreach and push really hard but there needs to be a, a little bit of yin following that or a little bit of yeah. the hey we're going to do a walkthrough today or hey we're going to do a little bit more time in the meeting room a little less time in the field or we're going to just go helmets or uh we're just going to play just games right we're going to do games and situational stuff and just make them think but not move a whole lot you know whatever right. it is that that makes sense for that coach and that staff to get the best performance possible, but you can't fight physiology and you can't, you can't do more than what your body's capable of doing on that given day. And, and for us, it's that stress fatigue model. Yeah. And for us, yeah. Yeah. Can't do it. Can't outdo it. No. And uh, I think that's too, of like, it's just a great lesson for us. And especially as we get older, the margins become smaller, right? We don't have that as much, bandwidth once we get 30 and then you get 40 and then you get 50 and it's like that the freedom or the bandwidth they handle more than you probably can 
becomes less and less and less. Yeah. And you realize your four day split kind of kind of probably go down to a three day split. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you just, you know, hey, again, just trying to make the most out of every single day possible. But hey, well, Sean, I honestly, I, I think that's an amazing like conversation, honestly. And this was really cool. And I appreciate you taking the yeah. time. Any uh, closing words for anybody who's listening from uh, just from your experience at WWE, what you're going with XFL or just anything you want to kind of talk about closing it off with KPIs? Yeah, you know, uh, I would say, you know, just to kind of reiterate, the more information you have, the better decision you can make, whether that's an aura ring, whether that's force plate, whether that's velocity based, like the, the objective data that you have can make can lead to better informed decisions. I think that's a really good, uh, really cool thing that I've taken and I, it may helped me evolve as a coach. Anyone's out there is listening. Don't be afraid if you don't know it, if you, you know, like, oh, I don't, how am I going to learn this? Like, just dive in, right? Like, uh, and the other thing that'll help you with, it'll, it'll, it'll help you, like, if you're thinking about, you know, getting that raise or, you know, wanting to get more buy-in with the players, like, that information, if you want to bet on yourself, it, it, that information's there to kind of, like, show your head coach or show your coaching staff, like, hey, this is what we're doing. Like, but you don't have that if you don't have the information. So, the more information that you have, the better decisions we can make. Um, that that's kind of like a key thing I've taken away from you and and going all those years of muscle mentorship. And uh, so yeah, so I would say I would say that it's a big it's a big one, big take home for me. Amazing man. Well, thank you again for your time. And uh, I everyone knows where to find you, Floor Hayes over at. Hey. Uh, Instagram. Yeah, dude, it's the best, man. Hey. Um, and, it's gonna get, and that whole thing is getting refurbished and redesigned. So I can't wait to see the finished product, man. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, we got to get with the rain. If the rain ever stops here, I'm building it right in the, right, right in the start of hurricane season. So it's probably Definitely. not a good idea. But, hey, uh, small business problems, man. That's it, man. That's it. No <laughs> doubt. I can't wait to have your Fit b and You go to school for that? Did I? No. No, I didn't. No, I didn't go to no school No idea. Bro. Just winging it, man. Just winging it. Um that's awesome, man. Well, thank you again, uh, man. This is so cool, and uh, appreciate you getting on. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot, Coach. We'll do it again for sure. Absolutely.